and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast and YouTube Review. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of the defunct musical blog Glacially Musical, and I am joined by the man who keeps all of his metal monsters in a little ball in his pocket, Keefe Charizard. How are we doing today this week, buddy? I'm pretty good. How are you? I have nothing. <laughs> I have no retort to that Pokemon stuff. Yay! The joke landed. I knew uh, what I the reference doing... was. I'm doing good. Uh, my anxiety's <clears throat> through the roof, which is awesome. So I'm going to be whatever. I'm trying to look at the camera now because I've been watching some of the YouTube videos and I've been like doing this a lot and I don't want to be that guy. But just uh, cable of contents for our new viewers slash listeners. This is the Glacial Musical Podcast and YouTube review, of course, where we do series on metal bands through the decades or the decades, if you want to say it properly. The way this goes is greeting, beer check, vinyl check, news of the day, then we get on to it. So if you don't want to hear the little bits and bobs that we're going to say, skip ahead about 20 minutes and then you'll get to the meat of the episode. But as it is beer, metal, and swearing, which I don't know if I said, because it is beer, metal, and swearing, hell yeah, I am going to crack open the granddaddy of them all the stone ipa let me get a good pop on it it is a 6.9 percent west coast ipa pouring this into my duvel tulip glass because for some reason ipas just taste better in a tulip no nicely filtered and clear ipa this comes from southern california and stone does it right all right, yeah, Stone, uh, that's the same people who do Arrogant Bastard Ale. Yes, the Probably Arrogant Bastard. Best known oh. for. Yeah. It's strong. It's What's even better than the Arrogant Bastard is the Stone Oak Barrel Aged Arrogant Bastard. Because if there's anything you need more of, it's more bitterness, more anger, and more just self-flagellation of the oak aged arrogant bastard podcast got... listeners cannot see me pointing to myself and trying to stifle guffaws but yeah just for the record i mean i think that this works as a youtube kind of system especially if you want to get a look at the delicious beers i mean look and now that i got a new camera you can actually see my beer let me let's let's back it up for a second because in the back intro the up. Boop, 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 in the in the intro, you said your blog is defunct. Defunct, yes. I don't think of it as defunct. I think of it as transitioned into this. Like Gandalf the White. You came back four days later like Jesus, and now it's this video extravaganza and podcast. And I think you should be posting at least like an entry a week, an entry like I do on Ghost Cult. You should, I mean, like not no, not word for word what I do. Like post I, the YouTube, I could post the YouTube link there. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel you should make entries still on the blog that are these YouTube videos. I think it makes perfect sense. I'm always going to share our podcast on ghostcultmag.com. Please go check it out. And like I said in the previous episode that has yet to air, but will air by the time this airs, I would like to collect these by band or by theme at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really useful. We're going to do another go round of the vinyl education series let's call it at some point soon maybe yeah, the, we, maybe the about, next chaser it's about time for another one uh my kid who is my also my content director said we need to do a how vinyl is made episode 
We should do these and then hand them over to me or I will be recording them. And I think maybe we'll do them for TikTok. I know you don't care about TikTok, but the kids. I'm not on. I'm not on the TikToks. I can't I can't be on the TikToks. And I there was a family issue. And I'll Mm. leave it at that. Oh, no worries. I understand. It's fully understandable. But I wanted to interject my beer, pause my beer check to discuss that. I don't feel your thing is defunct because I feel very proud to be part of this thing. And I, it's, it's not defunct as long as you're doing something under the name Glacially Musical, which that, is still that, have the socials except for Twitter. So, Yeah, that's a good – well, I mean, I never made a specific Glacially Musical social. It's the – when I started my Twitter account way back when, it, back when I was a St. Louis City food blogger. And it was the 13 blog because I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I could call it. I name everything ridiculous things if that has not uh, been exceedingly apparent. Right. Also, I continue to look away from the camera even though I know better because my screen with you is here and I'm trying to see your reactions when I'm not talking. Also, my notes are here. Also, I have another screen behind me in terms of the camera view. And I change views from time to time for thing to thing. And it's just all rather confusing. But anyway, I will Real occasionally quick. look uh, in the camera. Vinyl check. Oh, before oh, Jesus, nice. Oh, I see where you are in the house now. We're not ready to do a vinyl check because I, I was just have doing that. A beer I'm... check. Oh, Sapporo! I have the Sapporo. These were gifted to me. I spent the weekend, as we discussed, at Bottle Rock Napa. I will stop talking about it at this point. But I went to Bottle Rock Napa and, and I, I, I stayed where I used to live in Fairfield. Uh, Sassoon City, California, on the Fairfield Sassoon border, and uh, my friend gifted me these Sapporos. She had had some house guests recently, or house a party, and had these Sapporos. So, oh, shitty pop, shitty pop, because I'm shitty. But guess what I have? Oh, you got the glass? Dun dun no. dun, dun, dun 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 dun. Now the fucking pressure is on because I have been so fucking shitty to Nick about the pours. If I don't pour <laughs> this thing like a fucking Olympic champion, I'm dead. He is going to berate the well, shit I mean, look out of at me. this. Look at this. Look at this. What the and fuck is that? That's a good pour. That is a bullshit no. pour. Mine is, you can tell mine is fresh. Mine's got the perfect head. Aromatic. Uh, let me just say about Sapporo. Sapporo, I actually ordered one. No, I did not. I had one. We went to, I guess it's been a week ago now. We went to see Ray LaMontagne during the Blues uh, game four mm. of uh, the last series which did not end well for us nor did the series uh hockey news blues are out rangers in rangers Eight, are now playing win rangers are now playing in game one of the conference finals when the did the forever. rangers win a game seven last i'm gonna say 94 when they won the cup there you go you just need somebody to guarantee that shit uh but when we went we went to out to dinner before the show the ray, ray la montaigne show into this i still don't know who the hell this person is don't educate me i don't want to know i saw him i don't know and i'm fine with that but we went to a japanese thai restaurant downtown called sentai and i ordered an asahi but they were out she's like well sentai? we got Sapporo on draft i'm like yeah, okay give me that not, not sen, sen not, not senpai, senpai but sen- sentai t my wife gets a, a Thai dish. I got a Japanese dish. Everybody wins. That sounds fun to be on my list of things to do when I visit the town. I also have had Sapporo. In this, is this Sapporo Premium Beer, as it's called? This is not my first Sapporo. I, too, frequent uh, Asian-themed restaurants that have Sapporo. Or, so I'm Sapporo. not a huge sake fan unless I'm with company. Sake. I'm not, not going to drink a sake by myself. Uh, sake like karate. and uh, Correct. Cobra Kai, never die. And... Um, 
Mortal Kombat. We did not plan this outfit, <laughs> these outfits today, but here we are almost matching thematically. So Keith thematically, and, very much matching. We are Keith looking back. Weird, we are looking back decades. Weird universal simpatico that we you both. I've got a pair of Cobra Kai socks. If only I had worn them, I would whip my foot up so you could see it. However, nobody needs to see my toes. I'm not wearing socks. I'm wearing shorts. I'm not wearing socks. Uh, yeah, too. Uh, but Sapporo, I meant to say this earlier. Let me back the truck up a mite. And just for the record, this episode may go long because I got nothing to do. My family still isn't back from their trip yet. So I am just jibber jabber and I'm ready to go because nobody's been in my house. So Make I got a star for human attention. You know what? I love being alone, but it gets to the point where. Because you may notice that I'm shooting the words out faster than normal today. Because uh, nobody's here. It's just me Hyper. and the cats. And the cats are kind of jerks. Love them, but they're kind of jerks. They uh, tolerate us. They don't really love us back. So Sapporo, right? Sapporo is an amazing example of what Japan does so well. They are the ultimate sharing and borrowing culture. And they'll tell you this as well. They take things from other cultures and they make it uniquely theirs. Sapporo is an amazing Japanese pilsner that is almost slightly India pale. That's right. Delicious. And which is my taste profile exactly. I like India pale ales. Anything that says pale ale, I immediately perk up and I get interested. So uh, my personal flavor profile is an India pale ale very hoppy with a malt back mm. like um the the vaunted hop slam the uh, stalipa the stl ipa which i have drunk frequently on this podcast and there are others along those lines as well uh the joker scottish ipa which unfortunately i can no longer get oh. it is instead of it being an english pale ale crazy hopped it's a scottish pale ale crazy hop no shit that is interesting as i'll get out do we have a vinyl check, Nicholas? I do. All right, let's have Might it. Might be the last one for a bit. Here's the thing. I think we should, well. Oh, shoot. I, what? It was seen. I saw nothing. Um, I was going to say, I think we should start tagging these albums or artists in our social posts. I try to, but I forget. I always forget, but I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try. My, my vinyl check this week, this is something that I reviewed on the Glacial Musical Podcast. It was originally a Record Store Day release by Live Natural Sound Records, which is an amazing label, in my humble opinion. They have such artists as Mark Porkchop Holder, James Legg, and today's final check, Left Lane Cruiser. I this, feel, I think I've seen this on your Insta. This is my, this is the final Left Lane Cruiser record with Freddie Joe the Fourth the guitarist and vocalist, and uh, so Bren Sausage Paw Beck. It's called Beck and Black. Uh, yeah, Beck and Black. It is a compilation of some unreleased stuff. It's just a regular black one. Nothing, nothing fancy. Still got to wash it. Still got to get it into the Mylar sleeve, as mm. I have been a great proponent of. Uh, James Legg guests on a couple of tracks on this one as well. It's got some unreleased stuff. and It's a really cool... Really cool record, in my humble opinion, but I also absolutely love Left Lane Cruiser. So, those got that one for six dollars mm. on the Discogs. Those look like a bunch of dudes who just kind of like got out of a college hacky sack game and picked up some guitars. Um, but yeah. I know you, I know you're a fan. 
No, they totally look like that. I mean, that that is a complete great description of what they look like. Spin doctors, eat your heart out. These guys play some dirty fucking blues. Nice work. That's what I got this week. Have we we discussed uh, 20-watt tombstone on this podcast ever? I have reviewed 20-watt tombstone. Yeah. I'm a huge and I have fan shake, of that. I shook their hands back in 20, 2019 when they played the uh, Whiskey War Festival, which took place that time at the South Broadway Athletic Club downtown in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> the Manus Brothers, another local dirty blues band, puts it on every year. James Legg also performed there. That show is my favorite James Legg show because. James like loses drummers all the time. He was originally it was originally the Black Diamond Heavies featuring Mark Park Mark Porkchop Holder on guitar, along with James Legg and a drummer. And I forget the drummer's name, Van something. And he ended up doing a record with Freddie Joe the Fourth called King Mud as well. So I'm pretty sure that Freddie has played with all three of the Black Diamond Heavies, but when the drummer left, it just became James Legg. He just went solo. And then he's gone through about 50 drummers. At this show, he didn't have a drummer, but he came in because he lives nearby. He lives in, uh, I believe, Louisville, which is only about five hours away. And Andy from the Hooten Hollers played drums for him that night. Yeah, the Hooten Hollers are a Missouri-based dirty blues band. It is now a trio, uh, guitarist, drums, but they both sing at the same time most of the time, and a tuba saxophone trumpet player. Andy has the, frankly, he has the energy of the Energizer Bunny. So seeing him play with James Legg, who is the same way, was amazing. And I wish they would do an album together. Right. Um, Yeah, I want to just shout out again, 20 Watt Tombstone. Um, There's also a side project, Reverend Mean Tooth. I do believe there's new 20-watt music on the way, and I don't think it's been quite announced, but it's been teased. I'm very excited about this. Oh, 20-watt did, did a split with Left Lane Cruiser. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Dirty Spliff Dirty Spliff versus the Death Blues, which was what I reviewed. And Death Blues is kind of the self-proclaimed genre of 20-watt. And uh, sort of blues can be psychedelic, can be stoner metal, almost doom, but not quite. They so they're very close in style to Left Lane Cruiser, where it's just a little bit of all over the place. I got it. I get it. Um, do we have? Oh, I I didn't do my vinyl check at all. I'm just ready to no. move. I'm just all over the place today. Take I have. Your time. Take I have like time. lingering fatigue from the fest festival fatigue, and then I've been trying to get. I have a new job. I'm starting. And I'm trying to get my brain wrapped around going to sleep earlier Ooh. and wake up earlier. And today I was up way early and I had like an interview with a band and a work call before 10 a.m. I'm not a morning person. I don't like sunlight. I really don't like sunshine first thing in the morning. I need. I didn't have coffee made today. I was a wreck. And, I've, and then I had to run around right before this. So I'm a mess. But anyway, I have my vinyl check. I have two records for the vinyl check this week. Very nice. Um, and I shouldn't be buying shit, but here I am. I went to I, I went to Bottle Rock Napa, and I got my Moths 
uh, vinyl that we discussed on the last podcast that will air before this. And because uh, I visited my old home where my mail sometimes still shows up. But I went to uh, two concerts a week and a half ago now as we record this. And I picked up a vinyl at each. I wasn't planning to, but then I get there and I'm like, oh, I want it. You get there and credit cards are a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, my credit's not that great, but it's just also like I really want to support the bands in person. That's how, yeah, that's how it happens for me. It's like you don't want to, but you're just like, well, oh, what the hell. So I saw the first show I saw at one of my favorite venues in San Francisco, Bottom of the Hill, not far from my house. Um, and I saw Dan Andriano and the Bygones, Dan Andriano, best known as a player in the Alkaline Trio from Chicago, hmm. kind of emo punk. Mm-hmm. rock punk them. pop band and he makes a lot of great solo albums and usually his albums are dan andriano and the something so this is his new album just came out a few months ago i did get to hear it early i did not get to review it because of time but i like i love him live and i love this record and of course he does some covers he will do alkaline trio songs that he's written but they don't ever play um but yeah, uh, they closed with a cover of Burning For You by BOC, and I was nice. flipping out with joy. Probably nobody else in the room was that excited as I was, except maybe one other person was like, yeah, BOC. I wonder if covers are going to make their way in later. They might. Uh, and so I'm just trying to see. I actually just opened this while you were doing your vinyl check because I'm a dick. And nope, plain black. But I was just curious because there was like a randomly might get a colored vinyl. Um, so that was that. on a that was on a Friday, and then I mean I don't hate it; it's kind of cool. And then um, on a Tuesday, I went to what used to be a legendary San Francisco venue, is now called August Hall near Union Square in San Francisco. I think during the Metallica early thrash days, Exodus, Metallica, Death Angel, Testament, Forbidden. These bands all played, this place was named something else, and I don't know what it is now, but it's been completely renovated. It's gorgeous. It lo- it's it got, like, weird Greek sconces and busts and stained glass in strange places and cool mood lighting and beautiful sound. And I got to see an awesome tour from Laura Jane Grace of Against Me. There's a theme here. Singers from bands, other bands, and their solo projects. Laura that Jane sounds like my other podcast. Right. Laura Jane Grace... Anthony Green, best known for Circus Survive, and um, I'm going to forget who the third guy was and hate myself. But anyway, it was an amazing show, um, and they all kind of performed together because they all kind of have overlapping songs and interests. They did some covers. Laura was incredible. I've never seen Laura as a solo, and I picked up this album. This album was one of the two albums that honestly kept me alive during the pandemic. This is Stay Alive. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, I love is, that cover. Uh, yeah, fantastic roaches, and the and the purpley uh, black and purple. Um, there's a lyric sheet. There's this beautiful vinyl. Again, twenty bucks for each of these. I wasn't going to buy anything, but Not twenty bucks. You can't turn it down. And for the Laura, I got the limited edition. <sighs> purple. I blue, went to bluey purple, indigo. Maybe it's blue. I think it's kind of blue actually. Now that I see it in this light. On Memorial Day, I met up with a good friend, a really close internet friend of mine, whom I had actually never met because he lived on the coast, in the East Coast. And we went up to Vintage Vinyl and he was asking me, you know, how much do these things cost nowadays? He's a big vinyl guy, but he's not into new music, so. Mm. This did not come, this this vinyl, by the way, I'm trying to put it back in, it came in like the lyric sleeve with mm. nothing. No paper, no mylar, weird 
But again, twenty bucks. I'll put a mylar on it. And you know, uh, let's let's normalize uh, quality record sleeves. Let's just normalize. This, this should be yeah. This should be. But this record is amazing. Please go check it out. Again, stay alive. The other record that I you've heard me yammer on about constantly um, is the solo debut release from William Duvall of Alice in Chains, "Until the Light Guides Me Home." Between that album and the William Duvall album, I had enough emotional ballast to make it through the worst, darkest time. For me personally, much less hard than other people who lost much more than I, but just the dealing with the anxiety and the daily discomfort of being housebound for like seven, eight weeks and never leaving my house except to get the mail or pick up a grocery or food delivery. So these two records are just absolute lifesavers. Completely, completely understand. For me, it was Pulse. During the and pandemic. I listen to Floyd like daily also during that time. I still listen to a lot more Floyd than I should because really? I mean there's there a should they only have so many albums and I have the wall I just showed you yeah I, yeah um that's a really good segue to some news I don't know if, I don't know if you know this but if you saw the ghost cult Instagram this week I believe it was May 31st 1973 Pink Floyd entered Abbey Road Studios to officially begin recording dark side of the moon alan parsons still takes all the credit i don't know why all he did was set up some clocks and trigger them to go off and record them he didn't hey, do a clocks, whole lot gotta, of... clocks don't set themselves they don't set themselves and it's like a hundred cuckoo clocks for time uh, bravo alan he has a new record coming out like i said we should do an alan parsons run and just destroy him every you know he's great <laughs> though he is great like he is great he, yeah um, uh, uh... Do we? Uh, and so the Pink Floyd news, I think that's a thing. Um, and Pink Floyd has joined TikTok, unlike you, and you can't, and I understand. But they have, are now on TikTok, and what they claim is that they're going to start putting out bespoke content. I didn't use that word. They did. Can we, we define the word bespoke for people that are... Kind being... of artisanal, custom, artisanal. special. Special. Mm. These are advertising words. These are not real words. Tangy is not a real word to quote George Carlin. It's not a feeling. It's an advertising word to describe so something that already exists. They're not going to be doing. They're not going to be doing it then. No, I'm sure they have their team. I'm sure it's right. their people. But like, it's cool that they're going to take the entire breadth of the Pink Floyd archive of visual stuff and musical stuff and do TikToks mm. with it. I think okay. it's cool. You will I mint mean, you a new generation use... of people. You could easily do just the stage videos to the music. There's all, and that I mean, would work well. yes. I mean, there's so many things they could do. So many things. Um, I'm very excited about it. I like, so I still like social media. It's what I do for a living. I like social media. I just don't, I don't always have the patience for it. Right on. Um, and I also have a hard time closing my fucking mouth. Indeed. Uh, same. And so, uh, yeah. I'm Mr. Hot Takes sometimes. Uh, speaking so speaking of hot of takes, hot takes oh, wow. Uh, I was going to say, as we record this, episode three of the Obi-Wan series is out. No spoilers. Not going to drop any. Haven't watched three, so don't say a damn word about it. I'll just say that, you know what? If you are the one of the people sending uh, Moses some of those disgusting DMs, fuck off. Well said. Um I'm not one of these people that will jump on the top of my building. I live in San Francisco, right? In the leather district. 
and it's Pride Month, and, and immediately today I went out for a walk and I ran errands, and there's pride flags everywhere, and it's wonderful. But also, like, be weary of alternately people using Pride Month to push their own horrible agenda against, you know, we'll call it the love is love movement, the, the you know, what freedom and decent human decency movement, let's call it that. And then, you know, let's also be weary of corporations and brands we are allies. This is the time to get on the pride sale. Fuck off forever, all y'all. Um, I like to, you know, I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back except to say that we have always had a, a ghost cult mag and in my life, a welcoming, open, and, you know, decent, humane society where everybody's got a shot at doing something. And, you know, obviously, it'd be better if we didn't have to have a pride month It'd be better if we didn't need a Black History Month. People didn't know that Tulsa was bombed to bits until Watchmen came out a couple of years ago, you know, in a race war, basically, by racist yeah. governments. So, like, yeah, without going bananas, I thank you for for mentioning that. First of all, the series is incredible. Oh, my and, God, it's awesome. And, and Moses is one of the highlights of the yeah, series. Yeah, completely. One of that the top character... three things about the show. She is that Riva is so unhinged, incredible, and power hungry. Yeah, incredible. That is, it's, it's, it's every yeah. sense. Let's not spoil anything. The only thing I'll say without any actual. I'm going to shut up because I'm going to say things that people. Yeah, we're going to start going nuts, but I will just say. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You heard that on the podcast. You saw me palm my face. Um, I don't know if we want to bring the mood way down. We didn't talk about this when we recorded the other day, but I feel like we have to speak a little bit on this. We we really briefly touched on it, and if I'm repeating myself, stop me. Um, a couple of real quick things, and we'll actually get onto this podcast that I chose the topic of, the new series. Um, MDF was this weekend, probably the last ever MDF. Uh, Baltimore... My heart goes out to you. It's a, a heck of a town. There's good people from there. I know some Marylanders personally who are Same. wonderful, lovely people. Baltimore's in rough shape. My city's in rough shape. Baltimore's in 10 times the rough shape. My city's and in rough shape. The MD, Right. The MDF, this was probably the last one or the last one for a while, uh, if ever. I think they were having some off-the-field problems. We'll just call it like that. Not anything to do with the owners, but just in general problems you know, uh, compounding problems over the years with the festival and they needed to take a break. They expanded. And then on top of that, a person committed suicide during the festival. I was very reluctant to even report on this, even though I know friends of mine were eyewitnesses to this. Um, I was at a different festival in another part of the com country having a good time. And my friends are like, I just saw a person jump off a building and they landed next to me. Like horrible, horrifying. But also horrifying for this person who ended up being... We found out who this person was, and they were extremely popular and a, and a mainstay of two cities' metal scenes and a beloved person and a well-loved person online also. And no one had a bad thing to say about this person other than they had some troubles. And this person, in a very public manner, took their life, which is really hard and brutal and terrible. And I just, you know, we've done this before. We'll do it again. Anybody having a hard time listening to this podcast, watching this YouTube, who knows us from Twitter or online, don't, you are not alone. Please don't ever get to a part or a place, if you feel you're in a place so dark you can't come back from it, ask for help. You will not be judged. You will be loved and helped and healed. We will help you somehow. Reach Please. out to me personally. Yeah, for real. You can go to the Glacially Musical Facebook page and send me a message. 
you will hear back from me. Yeah. Weirdly, no other major metal websites were reporting on this. Now, I know there was scarce details, and this person apparently posted their goodbyes on their Facebook very publicly. And so I found out the news. I gently posted about it without being sensational. I did a YouTube shorts video, which I now do for, like, my quick little news bits when I can't get to a computer. And actually, you know, I, I think they serve a good purpose. And it got a lot of views, which I don't care about, but actually the family of this person DM'd us and said, we found out through your video. No one told them, which oh is God. horrifying and upsetting, but also, like, at least they found out, and I was kind about it. A, a lot of people are being horrible, similar to the situation with Moses. A lot of people in the comments, horrifying, horrible, reported, blocked, dicks, called out, all these things I have to do. I already am getting a lot of hate mail for my typical snowflake lefty views, and I'm a fat beardo in a metal vest, and people think I'm fake. This guy doesn't even know. He's talking to mayhem, and he doesn't know. I'm sure he discovered black metal like two years ago. Okay, sure, whatever you think. But um, I, I can tell you this. On accident, I discovered black metal in the 90s. Right. Well, that, yeah. People are dicks. Um, but again, I, also during Maryland Death Fest... There was a drive-by shooting on the other side of the complex from where the festival is, and someone was murdered. And then the city gave a press conference where they kind of blamed there's an influx of questionable characters here for this death metal festival. Listen, man, Maryland Death Fest is 19 years of a festival. Nine years, two years, one year of a festival is hard to pull off. At the level of care and quality that this festival brought to the East Coast, to that city, the money they brought in from people renting hotel rooms and Airbnbs and Lyfts and Ubers and food, and the success of those venues, Ramshead Live, Baltimore Soundstage, and the pop-up Edison lot now brought back. You know, they've done a lot for that town. And to blame the attendees from out of town on a murder and a suicide is horrible. The police need their, you know, they really need to examine themselves. Scapegoating is easier than solving problems. It sure is. It's it's uh, transgressive to punch down and unnecessary in this case. Like you know, let's let's push off the fact that our city is in disrepair and we're not doing anything to help anybody. So maybe you know, they should. Maybe the police there should watch the wire. Th this is right. This is my way of defending MDF and defending the the founders of MDF and Baltimore in itself. Also, it's it's you know the uh, you know uh, like Asgard is a is not a place. It's a people. Baltimore is a people as much of it as a place. And maybe it's a downtrodden and hard scrabble place but there's good people there and don't just shit on the place and i know people who are like yo after this experience i can't go back there because they're gonna have like a ptsd now about things but like you know don't throw the city away i also have visited baltimore not for mdf and had great times and i was perfectly safe and i even walked around late at night and i didn't feel unsafe but like my my wife's best friend <laughs> is from baltimore well annapolis right. she has other friends for, i've been to baltimore i yeah, have visited so them and I had the best goddamn shrimp of my life. It best just... crab cakes ever. Best aquarium. Sorry, those two things shouldn't be congruous, but they are kind of. <laughs> hey, aquariums are delicious. Aquariums are delicious. So I wanted to talk about that. And then, you know, I don't think we talked about, um, you know, we had two other losses in the music world. I know we have to try to do these episodes and not bake them into frownies. But uh, Alan White passed away from Yes. I don't remember if we talked about this. It was just two days we ago. We didn't. And he a little younger than i would have expected yes yeah, 72 but not 
not so young that it's horrifying. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he they were they were about to go on tour to celebrate his first album in the band, Close to the Edge. Apparently, he was only ill for a brief period of time. They knew he wasn't going to be able to tour with them on this tour because of that's on the record player. What? Cats on the record. Um, not anymore. I threw a pen <laughs> okay. and he jumped down. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't be. It's like this. You, I'm, you I'm a, basically Homer a Simpson. Water gun with a watered down red wine vinegar, and they will never go near that thing again. Um, anywho, so Alan White passed away. Very sad. I'm a humongous Yes fan. Yes is one I of the most yes. important bands in my life. We probably should do a run of Yes at some point. Even though, again, it'll be a lot of this. Nobody can see on the podcast, but you can imagine what gesture I'm making. And uh, it's going to be a lot of that if I'm talking about And I will not say what gesture he's making. So yeah. you I mean, I'm not so much of a... I'm honestly... Um, I've had some personal experiences with John Anderson that make me not a fan anymore. So maybe that would hold, halt me from doing that series at all because I don't want to bring any attention to that guy. He's a douche. But a great band. A huge band that changed my life. I love Close to the Edge as much as Fragile or more. Um, and then also Vangelis died, and we have to talk about Vangelis. I mean, like, uh, before there were memes, how many times were you at a party where somebody was like, dun, 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 this guy was one of the greatest composers ever, and he elevated synthesizer music along with Devo, Kraftwerk, and a few other things I can think of. This guy put... Can I say something? Sure. I have that on vinyl. I know you do. Shattered to Fire? Yes. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And I um, saw the theater. Yeah. I Van Vangelis, the proper way to... Speaking of John Anderson, John and Vangelis have an album together or several. So, yeah, man, this guy was a titan of recorded music, of composing, of soundtracks, Academy Award for Chariots of Fire. And I don't know the circumstances of his passing. He was, I think, also under 80 years old, probably late 70s. Um... You know, and just very sad. People, our heroes are all passing away. We have to brace ourselves. This is going to get worse and worse. Um, when Ray Manzarek died, my best friend said to me, "Nick, I know this hurts, but get ready." Mm. You know, Raymond's when Ray Manzarek was still alive, the door started in nineteen sixty-seven. He was the oldest of the bunch. Mm. That was ten years ago. Right. Happy to say that I saw him live twice playing Doors music. But, you know, and, and he was right. Ever since then, you know, they've been dropping like flies because we have a limited number of rotations on this earth. So right. a great way to spend that is loving your brother, helping your sister, and giving people equal rights. Can't say that better. Well said, sir. So um, let me segue real quick into my last news item. Yeah, go ahead. From the Vinnie Vincent Creatures Fest. Oh, my Lord. Another one. Yeah. I forgot to talk about the uh, insane pricing for autographs that he charged after being, after selling meet and greets. Uh, he had to pay an extra $300 to $3,000 for autographs after buying the meet and greet for autographs, including $800 to sign a baseball. Has he ever played baseball? I'm not sure no. what the significance of that is. That was the question. That's a very specific item. How many metalheads are walking around, or hair metalheads, I guess I should say, with a baseball in their pocket? I, Boy, mean, I sure they would love a baseball from Vinnie Vincent. They're all going to tell you they got two in their pocket, but, you know, they don't. And so, yeah, 
And uh, Neil Davis, the promoter, has been defending the Vinnie Vincent. I just uh, got that joke, by the way, too, in the pocket. Go ahead. Thank you. It, it, I thought it was good. Uh, uh, Neil Davis has been defending Vinnie Vincent's performance, even though it was nothing like he said it was going to be. So good on you, Neil, for capitulating to a madman. I don't want to out the uh, thing that I sent you, but we both had a chuckle at that. Like, there's another website out there that kind of does what I do, and they just kiss the ass. There's Vinnie Vincent returns and shreds his face off and the fans. Like, well, that is one of not the, what happened. No, one of the forums I'm on, it is believed that Vinnie Vincent is on it. And has, he would uh, be. Of course he would be. He, this is the same guy that came up with an alter ego for his customer service rep, Meredith. Mm. So, and he answered emails as Meredith because he's Jimmy, been yeah, there's a story where uh, Trump used to call, put on a voice and call mm -hmm. page six of the New York Post. Hello, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm -hmm. I am Donald Trump's publicist. Donalda. I like I know. So, yeah, Vinnie Vincent does the same stuff. And he has been. The person that we all believe is Vinny Vincent has been talking about how he's going to silence the haters and the losers. And I'm like, Vinny. come on, haters. I think it's the indifferenters, if that's a word. Like, people no, it's, don't uh, care. A Vinny Vincent hater is somebody who will point out that Vinny Vincent has ripped off thousands of people and who will factu factually state what Vinny Vincent has done and why it was wrong that he did that. So, yeah, so Neil Davis is like, oh, just because he didn't have a band, what more did you want? Well, we wanted that thing you said that it was going to be. So, right. full disclosure, I'm, I didn't go because I wasn't going to go to Nashville, spend $200 for a ticket, and then, you know, spend 200 bucks in gas and $300 in hotels minimum to see Vinnie Vincent because I knew that he would shit the bed and he shat the bed. Right. Someday I will go to Nashville just because it is Music City and there's a lot of history there and the Opry and Dollywood and... Agreed. Well, I mean, Opry and... isn't even remotely what it once was. I know. And actually, you shouldn't go there because they didn't let in all these people who I admire the most. All the Outlaw Country guys were banned, including Cash, for the longest. So, um, so, and I also love fried chicken sandwiches. I eat in Nashville fried chicken authentically in my face. Um, yeah. Um, I'm from the Midwest. Fried chicken is religion here. I Yeah. I had, I just closed with this idea that I had this week, which is when Kiss finally looks like they're knocking on the door and they're going to do that final, final show at Madison Square Garden, I think we should have a round table of people on to discuss the end of Kiss. I um, would agree. We could also, well, we could do a blow by blow. There'll be a video. We could watch the video. And do a chaser on that video. That'd and be then, fun. We could actually probably do a like a postmortem. Yeah, yeah. Probably won't be terrible though. Like, let's but I wanted to do bit. kind of yeah. Like, it's just an idea I have. Hold me to it down the road. It's probably a year and a half away. Um. Anywho, okay. I'm good now. I'm good now. Thanks for bearing with that, everybody that listened for the first. Sorry that we we got long winded. We sure did, Bob. And have another sip of beer, <laughs> the happy juice. Tastes good, makes you feel funny. From a glass, so much better. That is what Alex Lifeson said about Lifeson said about wine. Mm. Would easily be said about beer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, who anything, are we talking about? Anything else? We're we moving on to the. Let's move. Let's move on. Let's move on to the heart of the matter. Thank you for bearing with me, Nicholas. Thank you, crowd. Thank Always. you, fans and audience. Um, here's a. Pre I do this for me, no one else. So I mean. <laughs> 
had like a belch and a laugh at the same time. I don't. Know I do it because it's fun for me, and you know, know other people are listening and watching, and I appreciate that. But you know, like Eddie Van Halen said, you make the music for yourself. That's fair. Um, I'm just I gonna drop is, everybody right now. Here's a good story. Actually, we'll just do this also. Uh, oh, so, God. have you ever seen? I don't know what your cable situation is. Do you watch Reels with a Z? I do not. Reels is a channel or a block of programming on cable that does music documentaries and movies. I've seen stuff from it, of, but I mean, I don't watch Yeah, it. I've reported on it. I've never actually watched one. So apparently they're doing one. Oh, on... no, no, no. I know where you're going. No? Don't. The, the the Eddie Van Halen special? Yeah, but I mean, like, there's Fuck a good... It. No, no, I'm not no. celebrating them. I'm talking about Wolfie. Okay, cut me off. All right. If it's what I think it is, let's just not touch that. All right, fine. I, I, it's disrespectful, and I don't want to. I don't. I'm not trying to disrespect. I love Eddie. I actually had a burrito in a amazing Mexican. Wait restaurant a minute. Maybe we're night. talking about different things. What are you talking? We're about? probably talking about the same thing. But I had a burrito in an awesome Mexican restaurant last night, in which there is a replica Eddie Van Halen Franken guitar in a glass for no reason in this Mexican restaurant in San Francisco. Anyway. <laughs> We'll skip the Van Halen story. It's fine. I was just going to celebrate Wolfie and his uh, temerity as opposed to these monster, ghoulish motherfuckers who are doing this terrible movie. Yeah, we're talking about the same thing. Fuck that movie. Yes. Fuck that movie. All right. Moving on. We are starting a new series, and it's my pick of the series. I loosely picked the aughts, but technically we're going to start in 1999. Oh, yeah. Listen to you. Like, I didn't say we should do the aughts. I you said there wasn't anybody you wanted to do in the aughts except Volbeat. Who I'm that was that a year e- ago. I'm not that excited ago. about it. A year or two weeks is a big difference, my friend. We I picked the aughts and then not to we, a fly. I know Nick is would like shoot down my bunch of my first three choices were all the first get shot choice down. was Mastodon and it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't like mastodon that's fine you're mistaken I, you're very mistaken they're great no i tried and i mean i've given it the old college try i have given it the old college try after graduating college so my college try should be perfected and i'm so i i i don't want to do an entire series of somebody that i already actively don't like sure and gojira i don't like them i know and deftones uh, no strong feelings. Nah, which is a no. And a few others. Uh, even I was like, I would do Clutch, who I'm not a huge fan of, and I think they're better live than on record. I know Blast Agreed. I've seen them twice. I think live, they're incredible. And then the albums don't do it for me a lot, Agreed. but except the first few and the most recent ones. Oh, like when they were like pseudo-death metal? No. Stone or rock. But anyway... Psychedelic hardcore hard rock. Um, So I picked a band that I knew Nick A would not know and B deserves some love one way or another. For the record, Um, I have not been able to remember their name in my head for longer than 45 seconds. Minable Firestree. Like you call them like 10 combinations (laughs) of stuff in the messages, which is great. Fireball Ministry from Cincinnati, Ohio. They actually started in the early 90s, did not actually make it until the late 90s, and then had a really good run, I think, of albums. And I was like, you know, let's 
shine a light on these guys. Uh, they have slowed down as of the last decade because the leaders of the band have become much in-demand record producers and amp doctors and fill-in guys. And they've lost the whole... They've had a whole revolving door cast of players. You know, you just described exactly what's wrong with the music industry today. That you sure. can make more money in the music industry without playing music. That is... Totally true. Um, and then I think they might have relocated at some point out west because they do end up having a lot of West Coast people in the band or the band. Wiki has them listed as a Los Angeles band now. Now, but they started out elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I find this band super interesting. Uh, if you want to roll the clocks back 25 plus years to the mid-90s, um, it's worth pointing out that in the mid '90s, the closest thing we had to stoner metal was nothing. Well, down and Coc. Um, Crowbar is more of a sludge band to me, but they do have prong. some stone. You know, prong is metal; is more like thrash and hardcore. So there really isn't, you know, like uh, Black Sabbath had returned uh, with both Dio and Ozzy in the '90s, and Martin, and Martin. Who doesn't quite get quite a decade for for Black Sabbath vocalist? Yeah, they didn't get you know doesn't get quite enough attention, Tony Martin. But um, I disagree. You know, well, um, so Fireball Ministry is this band. They form and they you know again it's like straight up you hear the term now Sabbath worship, but there really wasn't this endless parade of bands. It really was like you could count them on two hands of bands that just we love Black Sabbath and that's what we do Black Sabbath stuff. And this band started out to do Black Sabbath stuff, and I think they achieved it pretty well. Uh, I'm a huge nerd for fucking great guitar stuff, and this this band does great guitar stuff. If I um, may jump in briefly. Please do. At this point in time, up to this point in time in metal, we had never had a nostalgia trip. We had had people taking the previous generation and twisting it into something else. Metallica... There's that word again. Metallica is what happens when a Black Sabbath worshiper finds the new album and punk rock. Correct. So to have bands and then, you know, death metal comes about from, and this is told to me by uh, Masters leader whose name, good fucking God, Paul, Paul Speckman, uh, told me directly from Paul Speckman when I interviewed him, you know, we loved Motorhead. And we wanted to go farther. And this is Master, one of the very first death metal bands. And so now we achieve the middle, we arrived in the middle 90s, the late 90s, where bands are going back and saying, you know what, maybe we don't need to change that style. Maybe we can just bring that style back. So right. we have stoner rock, sludge metal, which are basically offshoots of Black Sabbath. We also have a resurgence of American thrash metal where it's not a new thrash metal. It's just thrash metal played. Same with stoner metal. It's just these kinds of music played on modern instruments. They don't even go back, which I thought was a, a great change for both kind of genres. They don't go back to get period, appro period appropriate equipment. They're playing it on what they have now because that's what they had. So mm. interesting change in the music, in, in, in the, the, the waves of music. Very fair. I'm going to say even when bands 
<clears throat> kind of do a retro thing when they finally start doing it, they toll in obscurity. It's underground bands. It's never like a mainstream band copies Iron Maiden and also everyone suddenly loves them. It becomes like uh, the Swedish band Wolf, if you're familiar with them. They just put a new record out. They're still a hugely unsung band, and basically it's Iron Maiden love. Every song they make is like, what would Iron Maiden do? Let's do that. And they do it incredibly well. They, they do have some originality. I'm not saying they were rote copy. But even, or COC, like they had transmuted style so many times. An original crossover punk band, kind of a thrash metal band, and then a stoner doom band before stoner doom bands were more than just Sleep and Ohm. And Sabbath, it was like I a very saw them short... twice, and it was two very different bands. Even though I've the seen dudes. them in every incarnation, including when they came back and redid the thrash metal version with that singer, um, without Pepper, and it was great. By the way, I Rist saw in them in '97 opening for Metallica on the yeah. on the load again, nice. and I saw them in 1992 opening for Iron Maiden on Fear of the Dark tour. That's amazing. Uh, rest in peace, Reed Mullen, one of my favorite drummers and people of all time that I've ever hung out with and met and followed. So, Fireball Ministry, I picked this band. I think we're going to appreciate this. I'm not going to claim it's the most original music ever made, but Good I choice. think if you love guitar stuff and you love Black Sabbath and you love stoner doom and grooves and music that makes you think about smoking stuff and drinking stuff, this is a band for you. And probably a band that doesn't get enough love and is a little bit forgotten about because, as I said, their output has become sporadically less and less. Oops, sorry. Sporadically less and less. I'll tell you, I would have enjoyed it more <clears throat> had I been in some sort of altered state of consciousness. Yes. yeah, this That's and for you. You and you can hear, you can hear the pot smoke when they play. You could, um, you can you can feel it. Oh almost. yeah, you can almost feel it. So let's. Uh, also, I'm just gonna say the ministry part of the name is not just clever. The frontman James A. Rhoda the second is an ordained minister and has married people. I think famously he married some of the the CKY bassist and his wife. The um, second. Uh, he just is the second. James A. Rhoda the second, he's and the themes of the band are very religious, but in a kind of way like Sabbath Assembly and uh, uh, Jess and the Ancient Ones and Ghost, where they turn religion on itself. And, you know, sometimes it's in honor and reverence, and sometimes it's pointing out hypocrisy. And you don't know from song to song which one you're getting, but there's a lot of religious themes from song to song if you re listen and get like the vibe of the lyrics. I think Lyrics Genius has the lyrics if you look them up. I did not. I did not go over the lyrics. I'll be honest. That's fine. I'll pull. I'll point out the record. You should look up the lyrics. That is really their best record. But that's not these two this week. We're doing the debut album from 1999 and the EP that came after. And uh, we're gonna start with the. I don't know. Do you speak French, Nick? I don't know how good your French no, is. Uh, my French is very minimal. Uh, uh, can you, bonjour. We ne. So you know we. You know we. Can you take a stab at this album title? I, I'm going to say it's Ouest le Rock, with a Ou, question mark. Où est le Rock? Right. Where, where is, is the rock? The rock? Where's the uh, rock? I also know the phrase Où est l'autobus, which is where is the bus? Stop. Okay. What about bathroom? I can also say the most important phrase in any language. Ne me décharge pas, je suis canadien. Eh? Which is don't shoot me, I'm Canadian. Canadians don't have guns, Nick. Anyway... But if you're in a terrorist situation, they don't hate Canadians. Fair enough. So this album begins... Don't know how many French terrorists there are. Well, let's not. Um, this record was released on Bong Load Records and uh, featured a contribution from Nick Menza, but nobody knows what tracks. 
Um, bong, wow. Okay. Bong Load Records. Let's just click on the Wikipedia entry. Bong Load Records is an independent record label originally based in Los Angeles, founded by producers Tom Rothrock, that's a name I know, and Rob Schnaff. Schnaff. Schnarf? Schnarf. From Schnarf. Thundercats. <laughs> I think his name is Schnarf. Anyway, and their Schnarf. partner, Bradshaw Lambert. And he said Snarf all the time. Much of their Bong Loads records catalog is released in small quantities, and so bands have I'm sorry, releases. Bong Load, I can't. Bong Load records. I mean, I know, does that not make sense for this band? It does, but I cannot even with that. You can't even. Here are some of the bands that have been label mates of Fireball Ministry. You from need to be Bong a bit more subtle than Bong Load records. Or, do, or don't you? Maybe you don't. Wool. Maybe Spent Resin Records. That, that Wool, might be that's better. That's a good name. Wool, Caius, The Obsessed. Fatso Jetson just reunited and came back on Ripple Music soon. Elliot Smith, The Eels, L7, R.L. Burnside. L7? And Fu Manchu. Okay. And which makes sense because the member of Fu Manchu is currently a member of Fireball Ministry, at least in their most latest incantation, as well as Masters of Reality, Chris Goss, and Mark Lanigan. And they put out a 20th anniversary for Elliot Smith for Figure 8 and XO and Beck Odelay. Amazing. So they got some money. Um, but anyway, U.S. Le Rock, with a question mark, comes out in 99. This band had been a band for quite a few years, and they put together this record, signed to Bong Load Records, produced by Doug Boehm, who is another guy associated with Stoner Rock Records. And... It is what it is, as they say, my British friends say, it is what it says on the tin. It does what it says on the tin. It is a stoner rock record, man. It has got harmony guitars, stone-ass grooves, great bass lines, and pretty good Aussie monotone singing. I would say that. Just good features. You left out in. aimless guitar riffs that go on for a long time. Sometimes. They get better. I'm not they saying it all better. the time, but they do have that. Yeah, That well, is the ultimate... The ultimate sign of a stoner record is when you have that one riff that they just like it, it sh they play it for like eight minutes in one song yes and then like for 35 to 40 seconds in every other song it feels like eight minutes but it's not but it feels like yeah because they're so stoned they just they're in the studio yeah. and they just go back to yes and then they go oh wait wait no man wrong song so my gut feeling says a lot of this is not going to resonate with Nick because he loves this music, but maybe anything too derivative is not going to be for him. So I have a gut feeling this first record's good, and it's it's definitely above solid. It's better than solid. It's it's not the best. It's not their best, but I you know it's a good op it's a good debut album in my opinion to summarize early. I like to do the pre-summary and then the post-summary. But let's go through the track by track. We can do it pretty quickly because this record is only 32 minutes and eight tracks. Can I point out real uh, on the quick? No. Uh, the EP is longer than the album. The EP is longer than the album, and the, the originals on the EP are better than anything on this album. We'll just Agreed. get to that later. We'll get to that later. And well, I listened to the EP first because I listened to that at work. Nice. Thinking it would be shorter. Nope whoops missed out on that one nope they do write some punky stuff too that's fast sometimes fast short songs also um and they don't do long intros or outros which i would think you would like because we discussed in the last podcast how you hate the death metal black metal prog metal deathcore any other genre expansive intro track that you think is garbage and you don't want it is garbage you don't need an overture sorry exactly I love that about you. Anyway, 
The <laughs> album starts with the man, and to quote Beavis and Butthead, we should find out where the man is and kick his ass. Agreed. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what this song is about. It's pretty short. Good riff. You're gonna hear that a lot. Riffs, harmony riff, solo, chorus again. Out. If, like, that's if you song are looking it. for a band that can find a groove and hold on to it, not as Cliff Burton would say not trying to be something big and fancy, just being who they are, doing what they do, then these guys are amazing. Exactly. Uh, so The Man is the Kicker. That's a good opener. Two Tears is the little better developed song for the second track. Probably should have been the opener. Uh, excellent harmony guitar. Good lyrics. I know you didn't pay much attention to them, but I'm just going to point out that the lyrics are very good on this song. And uh, a little longer... A little more, a little bit of that ride nat riff feel like, oh, this riff works. Let's keep going. Let's do it four more times. Let's do it eight more times. Let's do it 16 times. As James Hetfield said, well, fuck, we don't rap by a clock. That's it. He knows. I'm just going to throw out so many quotes that I can be non sequitur Nick Knight now. Uh, this is good. We need this uplifting. We need some funnies after I brought us down right. to the uh, pits of hell. I'll drop uh, them. Yeah, the third track, we get into a little longer running time, uh, and it's 665, kind of clever, kind of not. It's been done before, but okay. It, no, it's not clever because it's been done Yeah, so I'm going to say Orange times. Goblin did this first in terms of the title. But Green Jello did 333. Later, yeah, like earlier. That's right, that's right. Green. Uh, yeah, actually, I, mean, the, I got in touch with the, well, the, the drummer from the current Green Jello drummer got in touch with me. He's like, hey man, do you want a copy of my my? You want a copy of that three 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 CD? I thought you needed it. I said no because I don't listen to CDs. What is wrong with you? I would have taken it. I don't want him to go out of his way to do something for me that's going to do nothing for no one. Okay. Um. This is yeah, a little I don't like long, that album. This is a little longer song, and a little slower song. A little more of a, you know, a little more of a mid tempo, Sabbathy seventies mid tempo stuff when they started to slow down and they were out of coke that day. Uh, good track, oh, not a great track. Yeah, just calling it like I see it. You know, we're just gonna. You know, we're hundred. As I've said a, a, a thousand times before, and I'm gonna say a million times more, this is that soft. They're they're already into the soft underbelly of a record. Yes. Where on the four, on the third track, right? They really don't have enough music for a record, which is why it's only 32 minutes. Because in the 1990s, you don't put out 32-minute tracks. This is in 1974, where you've put out three records in the past 18 months. So you're we're, you're expected to do a full record. Dream Theater had about seven records by this time that were like two, half of them were double records with like 20-minute, 30-minute Yeah, and but. Chicago did 15 double records in a row until 1975. I love Chicago so much, dude. We could do a run. We could do should. a run. But not today. No. And we're we're at the point where it feels padded this part of the record does feel padded not gonna lie uh it's not awful point. it's not bad no it's it's, just... it's definitely enjoyable i would i have listened to this record a few times this is not the one of these i would go back to but i wouldn't turn it off if it came on i'm going to apologize for my lack of real good information on this album but i didn't get the fucking playlist till today that's totally untrue. You had it yesterday. Yesterday. I had it yesterday when I was drunk. I mean, you sent the King Diamond one and it was wrong. So, like, do you want to pick <laughs> nits, buddy? Or do you want to just get on with the podcast? Anyway. Both. Okay, fine. The number four track on this album is three. And three is the magic number, as you all know, if you know your witchcraft. And 
Uh, it is an under three minute song. It's, an, it's a little more one of the more jumpy ones I talked about. And uh, yeah, not that descript, nondescript, but still okay. The not problem terrible. I have with a lot of this, of a lot of this album in particular, is that there's a lot of nondescriptness. Well, it's. I think we're getting to the good part of the record actually now. So I'm going to say this last run of songs, Guts is solid, Death Dealer is stronger, and then the last two tracks are actually my favorite on the record beside the second one, Two Tears. So Vim, which is long, almost six and a, over six and a half minutes, and has that one riff that goes on forever, but I love that one riff that goes on forever, and they do cool things with it. There's a harmony guitar solo, great vocals. I don't know what VIM stands for. It's a clothing store in the South Bronx where I'm from. Um, sort of South Central Bronx, New York, but uh, it's probably not that based on that because they're not from where I'm from. And then Levites, which is another biblical reference, and a lot of these are biblical references. Levites is actually for sure the best track on here, um, if not the seven, if not the one I just talked about. Vim, but if it's too they're... long for you because the riff is a thousand riffs in a row of the same. Do, 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 do. And you know, there, there's nothing really wrong with that. This album is not a bad album by any stretch. Right. I really enjoyed this album, but it felt like one really long song with several subtle movements. It takes so... them some time to figure out how to vary up their shit. And right. that's and, like every band. And oh, yeah. um, again, they had been a band for a while by the time they got signed. But still, this is a very good outing for a first take. Um, I don't know if this uh, album cover is Cincinnati or not, but it sure looks like Lower Manhattan to me. With I, a did, church. I was driving when I listened to this one. This is a, there's an image of a church with a really cool, weird occult etching in the stained glass of the church on the crest of the top of the church steeple. That you would enter in, and then there's a city around the church, which is like a very interesting image for the late 90s, and does remind me of downtown Manhattan, like Trinity Square, if you've ever been uh, down where the World Trade Center used to be, and the new Freedom Tower. I, I did, but I don't remember, that was thirty, literally 30 years ago. Sure. So, again, this is a solid debut album. I say definitely go listen to it. It's worth a listen. I don't think a you grow, would go to repeat. It's a grower. Agree. Probably not repeat listens. But at the same time... Um, you know, worth checking out. And if you end up loving these later albums by the band, you might wind up coming back to that debut. That's my hunch. Because I think you're going to love the the records probably next week. That's my hunch. Well, I don't hate this. I kind of do love this record. It's right. just not... It's not that original, and they're still finding their sound. It's not that... Or, but they shouldn't be still finding their sound. A lot of bands are still finding their sound, pal. When we're eight years into a band, you know, the Doors in 18 months wrote the, uh, wrote the Doors and Strange Days. That's fine. That's fine. When, They're... you know, now granted Metallica didn't find their sound till years later, but this is stylistically speaking, the lack of significant changes makes sense because if they're going for the churchy imagery, the sermon kind of feel no you don't want too much over the top progression it the, the biggest complaint i have about this record is that it's 32 but it feels like 50 okay um i did enjoy enough. it though i didn't That's hate fair. it um so they go on tour after this record 
and they open up for what you would expect them to open for a lot of bands that don't know what they're doing because they don't there's not a lot of bands Orange Goblin is in England, Electric Wizard is in England. These would be contemporaries of Fireball Ministry, and Fireball Ministry is not at their level yet. So, like, you're not going to get to play with them unless you go overseas. And locally, there's a handful of bands who were, like, in the underground who, you know, Clutch was just starting at this time. COC had a Grammy Award by well, this time. Clutch at this nomination. point in time is very different from what they we think today. of them now. Yeah, of course. But they, but they would be more like this than back then, for sure. Um, whenever I think of Clutch, I I still think of that video with the monster trucks. Yeah, I feel like he, we should do a Clutch run is the only way to kind of like really where he's like doing napalm death vocals. Sure. And then I actually saw them, I think, on that tour, opening up for someone whose name I don't want to mention. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so they go on tour and they go back and they write the next, re- they, they write, they write a few more songs, but they don't have enough for a whole album. And they had been, you know, you get to a certain level, they had pretty good management. You get invited to do these tribute albums and this late nineties, early aughts is the era of the tribute album and the tribute album soundtrack. This is a really awesome thing they do. I'm just going to say that. So there, yeah, this is a really smart move for their career because it actually probably helps define the next phase of their career, which is, I think, the best, and we're not going to get to it today. But So they come back. They've got three originals. They all kick ass. Oh, my God, they're awesome. And they had done a series of covers, and all these covers end up on semi-popular tribute albums, at least in the underground to the moderate heavy metal rock, hard rock fan. So when they get Keith known. Is- when Keefe says that the 90s were the era of the tribute record, I, I don't think that point can be understated. Did you know Cannibal Corpse did a Black Sabbath cover for a Black Sabbath tribute that was not Nativity in Black? I do know that. They did Zero the Hero. Which is my favorite song from that album. It should be everyone's favorite song from that album Born if again. you have ears. And their cover was amazing. It is, yeah, it's great. And there were so many of these things. Ace Fraley had one. Mm. And half of the tracks were songs he didn't write or play on. Those are usually the best ones. <laughs> but, uh, like, Hard Luck Woman was on there. Detroit Rock City's on there. I don't want no to hear, hear Ace sing Hard Luck Woman. Please don't tell me he did. No, it was an Ace Fairly tribute record. I see, I see. Uh, Dimebag and Vinnie Paul did Fractured Mirror. They did. It's uh, a great cover. It was. It, 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 but it's the fact that there was an Ace Fraley, there was a Vinnie Vincent tribute record circling back. The thing that should not be. Oh, that is definitely the thing that should not be. I mean, just to, seriously, there were so many of these things. You were just there was a le, uh, a a stairway to heaven tribute record. Mm. It's it's I mean it's mind boggling. You whenever you'd go to the record store, you were just falling all over these things. Right. Funny enough, one of like there isn't a Sabbath cover on this EP of mostly covers, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of funny. Um. That's pretty on brand. They, they were so stoned they forgot to do it. Well, or just like they were like, let's not pick one. And they had, again, they had done these other ones for albums. So maybe that was the reason to collect them all in one place. They have had some lineup changes. 
mainly James A. Rota and Emily Burton are the mainstays. I think they are a couple or were a couple at one point. Um, different artists that have been in the band uh, included uh, Helen Storer, who was their original bassist. Janice Tanaka, who now plays with Pink. She used to be an L a later incarnation of L7. I plays don't think Pink now. I just saw her the other day play bass on stage with Pink. All right. She plays with Pink. Uh, and she's incredible. She was like, you know, classically trained. So FM EP, Fireball Ministry EP, drops in 2001 in the spring. And the, f the, the three songs on here that are originals, King, the opener, takes off because it ends up, the band has a fan in Bam Margera. Bam Margera from Viva La Bam MTV and those underground skating and ja pre-Jackass, Jackass videos, basically. Those videos put bands on the map uh, and they started their own band, Can't Kill Yourself, CKY, but, uh, you know, with their friends. But, like, they helped put him, they put a lot of bands on the map. So this song being played on MTV before it was out help the band, I want to say blow up, but definitely gain notice with Vans. Like, oh, okay, it's stoner and skater music. Perfect, right? So King, arguably the best song by the band or in the top three songs by the band. It's, show, its debut is on this EP. It's not well recorded, but it's good. Song Bones of the song are there. Uh, any, any thoughts on the opener of this EP, King? Well, before I get to that, <clears throat> it, it's worth noting that at this point in time, MTV is transitioning. MTV is transitioning from a channel that shows music videos with music theme programming into reality programming uh, off the backs of the success of the real world, the road rules, things like that. And it switches from featuring music via video to featuring music via soundtrack. And there's a lot of other, that also happens on a lot of the extreme sports uh, the extreme sports shows like on uh, Fox Sports or X Games. Yeah, stuff like that. So there there were a lot, there was a lot of hay made that way. And that was a good way because they, you know, in those kinds of shows, they would put your, your you know, would say what song was playing, that kind of thing. So, yeah, but this song, when I heard the <laughs> opening riff of this, because I listened to the EP first, as I said, thinking it would be a shorter listen. I was wrong. But I listened to it first, and it's like, wow, this is really good. And it's so much better than the debut record. And which makes sense because you want to improve with every, every time you take another swing. And they really, really knocked it out of the park on this one. Now, let me ask you a question. We didn't really talk about James's vocals at all in the first record, which are good. And again, it's Ozzy worship, like clearly what it is. He wants to sound like Ozzy. There have been many, Lee Dorian. Many people have aped Ozzy, you know, for good or worse, uh, for better or worse. What do you think about James Rota II's vocals? I liked his gritty take on Ozzy's vocals. It sounded like it, it, it matched up well with the guitar. It sounded like a distorted guitar, and it worked its way into the riffs that's a big part of why I didn't pay attention to the lyrics because the lyrics are wrapped around the riff. He's not exactly slurring his words, but he's definitely sometimes hard to understand what he's going for vocally. 
Agreed. Like, he'll do some vocalises and some little things that I'm like, what is he singing actually? Because he's like, man, 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 like, sturgy, burgy, burgy. He does like a Swedish Chef thing sometimes where you don't quite know what he's saying. Ah, oh, Swedish Chef. I know. We have an American icon. We have to mention the Muppets every once in a while. So King opens up. Got him on vinyl. Yeah, King opens up the EP. It's it's pretty killer. It's a definite A tier song for the band in their whole that, career. By the that way, that song is a ten of ten for me. Okay, yeah, that's very fair. The second song is good, Choker. Uh, similar line, a little bit, a couple of seconds longer, same lines, heavy rock, Aussie vocals, searing guitar solo, dirty um, riffs, dirty, dirty tones. Riffs, good beats, grooves, not heavy drumming, but heavy ish. It's it's not as samey as the first record, but it's also not that different either. It's that familiar different. Right on. Which makes sense, which works well for an album's worth of music's identity, because we are going to get into a complete lack of identity for the reasons that were discussed previously. Okay. Um, and then the third original on here is Maidens of Venus, which is kind of in the vein of the previous album's closer. It's a little long. Um, it is super heavy. Uh, it's not as you know, unique as the first two tracks and is rather long, but I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's a bit, as we say, squiffy. Okay. It's it's not awful. This would be, if this were the soft underbelly of a record, which I don't know if it's fair to say that about this one when you consider how this one was put together. You know, these are, once we get past this song, every song on this EP, which is a full record's worth of music, I'm still confused. Every one of these songs was released previously for different tribute records. And as I had said earlier, it was a really smart thing to do this because these guys were on several tribute records. The only thing that would have been better than a tribute record for them is that they could have got these covers on a soundtrack. Or originals on soundtracks, which I think maybe they got into one or two later in the decade, uh, but not before this. But um, being, but by putting them all onto one album, is a wonderful piece of fan service. Mm. You know, it's. It, I remember when I was collecting music growing up, trying to get every copy of every Metallica B side, and this is well before Garage Inc was out there, and not only could you not find them all you couldn't afford them all when you were you know living on five bucks a week so to do i think it's really cool to do this and it gives a great side and a great insight into what these dudes like and the lady right i'm going to clarify and say actually the neck the first two covers were recorded specifically for this EP and did not end up on a tribute record until later. And the other three had all been out in that year before. So two, so they, they come out with the debut in 99, they record some covers, they end up on tribute records, 99, 2000, and then they're all collected here. But actually, the first two of these covers, they did just for this. And then they went somewhere else after. But it's really cool that, that like it really does fit together and you're going to hear about why and i know that nick personally loves a couple of these songs so this is going to be a lot of fun right here um see my cat's toes oh hey he's, he's got six toes which cat is this this is louis the ninth louis the toe louis and his six toe beans 
-hmm. He doesn't like it when I pull him out. (laughs) Anyway, goodness. Just trying to keep it light. Muscle of Love by Alice Cooper, one of the best Cooper songs. And it's a pretty faithful cover. All these covers are pretty faithful with the band's own lens, right? Like it's it's not as great of a cover as Biohazard's After Forever. None of them are. But no no cover is. Right. That's the greatest cover of all time. Except Lord of This World. What? By who? Except Lord of This World by COC. Oh, I haven't heard that. Um also up there is War Pigs by Faith No More. And up there is oh I had it but I lost it. Easy oh, by um, Easy Yes, by that's no the more. one. E- oh man. I-, I didn't want to drop two faith no more, but you can't deny easy. Easy is amazing. Have to. Uh, um no, a very good cover. You could tell there's some shades of Alice Cooper in terms of sound, and there's a lot of uh I guess daylight of uh, of uh fireball ministry. Right. And if you can't sing like the coop. Just sing your own way and sing it Sing it loud. Correct. Sing it loud. Sing it proud. If you have confidence in your voice, everyone else will too. Indeed. The next track, the fifth Unless track. Unless you sing of, like me. That's true. The fifth track out of eight, I did not know I needed a 10-minute version of Victim of Changes, but I guess I, don't I did. don't know that I do still. Yeah, Judas Priest. It, uh, yeah, that middle section I might have taken out. But uh, yeah, it just kind of goes flat for. He hits the notes though. Like that's the most impressive thing for a guy who has a kind of monotone, like a very clean, round sine wave type of voice. He definitely hits the high notes surprisingly well. I'll give you that, but I mean, I don't need Judas Priest doing Judas Priest for ten minutes. No, no, not at all. But a good, good cover, a little too long. Not too long. Good, Agreed. Good attempt. Good attempt. If you had knocked off two minutes, it would have been a lot better. Sure. Um, then the then the three that kind of surprised me, and I'm going to tell you that I really only knew one of these tribute albums I had, which is the Misfits one. I did not know that there was a Blue Cheer tribute album, and I did not know, even though the name is incredible, I did not know there was an Aerosmith tribute record, although now come to think of it, I know a couple of Aerosmith covers that are probably on this. Uh, so the first one from the tribute album set is Fortunes by Blue from off the album Blue Explosion a tribute to Blue Cheer Blue Cheer the proto heavy metal band proto punk proto heavy metal and uh I wasn't you know it's not like a song I've heard a lot it's a song I heard maybe once or twice my whole life Same. and it, it's pretty quick and it does what it says on the tin it's heavy psychedelic rock <laughs> and the band does heavy psychedelic rock extremely well that's the kind of song where you wouldn't know it was a cover if it didn't say it was a cover. That, if I didn't know it was a cover, I would have thought it was their song. Then the song I did know, and the album I did have, I had a tape of this copied from somebody else's CD, from Grave Images, a tribute to the Misfits, Cough Cool, which is one of the more underrated, unsung Misfits songs or a couple of songs put together. I don't so- even know that Misfits, too. Okay. I'm not, yeah, I'm not I love Misfits, big on so. the Misfits. I was into the Misfits before it was cool to be into the Misfits. So, like, I oh. had, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like, everybody that knows me knows that I had Misfits stuff before everyone else. So, back where I'm from. so No one here is judging you. It's a safe space. No, no, it is. But uh, it's a pretty good cover, and it shows the more punk side of the band. Um, even though it's not strictly the most punk of the punk songs of the Misfits catalog. Is that fair? 
Yeah, that's fair. And then probably a song nobody knows is an Aerosmith song, unless you had that first Aerosmith debut album, moving out from the tribute album Right in the Nuts, a play on Night in the Ruts itself, a tribute to Aerosmith, and moving out, which was actually the very first debut song on the debut Aerosmith record. And it's kind of like, you know... You know what I love about that first Aerosmith record? What? Nothing? Dream On. Yeah, of course. But nobody knew what it was back then. And you know what else I love about that record? None of it. None, none of the rest. It's pretty Stones cover, Stones worship, right? Yeah. It, it, Speaking of bands about... not discovering themselves after a very long gestational period. Yeah, Aerosmith, that's definitely one of them. One of the things that I find interesting, you know, we were talking about nostalgia and how up until such certain point in 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 metal there was no worship there was no aping of you know previous earlier days and previous styles but in popular music mainstream popular that's music, all there is aerosmith yeah that's all it is yeah so it but i mean moving out uh, look i liked their version it's a good cover but jesus christ yeah, it's an interesting choice. I'll say that. Like, I, I have a feeling the conversation was like, let's cover an Aerosmith song nobody knows is Aerosmith and not the typical ones. Because let's face it, everybody in your mama has been to the bar and heard somebody try to do Walk This Way or Sweet Emotion badly. Agreed. Really badly. But um, you know what? You know what would have been a good one for these guys? Kings and Queens. Good. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of cool ones I could have chose from. Um but so taken as a whole, this EP, which is six minutes longer than the previous debut album, those first two tracks are bangers. And King, again, is one of the top to- songs in the band's catalog. Maybe the best King song. King is an amazing song. And when I heard that, my thought process was, oh, my God, this is going to be a great series. I love this. Yeah, they, they have one more song that I think tops this for me personally. But I'm going to at the end of the series... I'm going to come back and ask you again what you thought if King if King was beaten by another song or not. But if you take King and Choker, which are rad, and then Muscle of Love and Fortunes and Cough Cool, which is a little higher for me as a fan of Misfits, and I mean, like, some metal fans will like The Victim of Change. It's too long. But, like, Muscle of Love, great cover. Fortunes, excellent cover. Cough Cool, excellent cover. Throw out and moving out. Victim of Change is too long. Pretty good EP for your second release a year and a half after your debut. So we're saying the, the, the first two, then three, then the three good covers. Yeah, three of the three of the good covers. I mean, I don't, I'm moving out. It's not bad. It's just not that great a song in the first place. Yeah, and it's, it's... And they're not going to bring much to it, right? You can't polish a turd. No. <clears throat> And moving out to moving out is a turd, regardless of who does it. You can't polish it. It is what it is. And but so yes, if you take those first two tracks, throw out the third one, throw out Muscle of Love, not Muscle of Love. I'm sorry. Um, God, what's the Judas Priest one? Victim of Changes, which isn't a great song. It's like one of the, it's actually the first great Judas Priest song, probably. Okay, throw that out because the side Green it. Man Alishi, right? They were too stoned when they did it. It's 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 so throw out uh, throughout that one throughout moving out, and you've got an exceedingly tight twenty five minute EP. You maybe even twenty minutes. It's you know, righteous, got, man. It's righteous. An, an EP should be one side. So yeah, you I throw out so. those throw out those three tracks, and you have got a fucking banger with no slowdown. 
And and I'm gonna say like we're looking at this very critically, and I don't know that this was again another record on a tiny record label, Small Stone Records, still in existence. But oh, they didn't small. they didn't get to stay on the prestigious Bong Load Records. <laughs> they did not stay with Bong Load for the second release. They couldn't find Packed Bowl Records. Packed <laughs> Bowl, <laughs> Pipe Cleaner Fury Records. Uh, anyway, you know, out of the gate, solid, not spectacular. But if you like this genre, this is going to be your shit. And also, like, we forgot about Monster Magnet is another contemporary that was out at this time. Yeah, Pro- the thing about Monster Magnet. Still a little they, before they got big. I saw them in 99 opening for Aerosmith. Okay. On the Nine Lives tour. And yep. They were, they were actually pretty good. Mitch Hedberg immortalized that tour. He uh, He's like, I was at a concert, man. I was this heavy metal band and Man, they were heavy. They were like, who out there feels like an animal? And everybody started. No, it's like, who out there feels like a human being? And I'm like, yeah, I do not feel like a tree. And then they said, who out there feels like an animal? I did not know there was a second part to the question. Nice. And I saw him do that. So that joke. That's amazing rang really true with me but yes i saw them on when they were touring that it was pretty good but the thing about monster magnet at that time was none of us knew what the fuck it was well how about this monster magnet is the opposite of the thing we talked about a few minutes ago monster magnet is a band they knew what they were on their first record and it took the rest of the world a long time to catch up to them agreed but monster magnet like out of the gate super judge which is 30 years old soon Super Judge, or maybe just past Super Judge is 30. Dope's Infinity's got an anniversary next year. Yeah, 30 years. I'm so old. Oh, my God. For no um, reason, I'm going to mention Raging Slab now. Raging Slab rules, dude. So, like, there are some bands, but none of them are culturally significant. Like, like it takes, surely it takes Monster Magnet, like, 10 years until, like, uh, Space Lord, right? It's 10 years, for sure, to make it. And they were better known for their covers, actually, than anything else, unless you were a diehard like me and an East Coaster like me. So you got to see them a lot where, where I was. But, um, yeah, Fireball Ministry, man, solid band. This is a solid to good beginning. And I would say it's a good beginning, but it's it's a be- it's a good beginning full of potential. Well, this, this is a very hopeful beginning. You're, this is you're, that's gonna get those doors are gonna get blown f open next week because that's I'm glad to hear really, that and not not that i didn't it. hate any of this it, no no and it's unfair for me to really talk about this because what they're doing at the time is un, is unheard of however now it's a thousands of <laughs> Yeah, the, the, you know, the journey of a, the, your journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. This was the single step, but I'm looking back at it mm-hmm. after going those thousand miles, which makes it unfair. But as Q said, life isn't fair, Picard. Yo, um, the awesome power of the Q. Uh, I'm good here. This is a stopping point for me for the pod for this week's episode. Um, any final thoughts, Nicholas, on fireball ministries first record and ep it makes me want to hear more that's what i wanted mission accomplished keefe all right two thumbs up two thumbs up from me as well i will i will i will take us home because it's about that that time 
Thank you so much for listening and watching the Glacially Musical Podcast. Please, if you're listening to the podcast, rate us, especially on Apple Music. Like and heart us on Spotify. Share with your friends. Comment. Drop us some comments on social media whether you enjoy these. If you're on YouTube, it takes one second to ding that bell and subscribe and find out every time we post a new video of our conversations and our love for music. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us. I'm especially sensitive after the very heavy intro and this Sapporo, so I'm going to chill now. But thank you for listening to the Glacially Musical Podcast, and as we say every week, it does not play in Peoria. Rip that bong.